Hey, everybody, it's John. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to tell you again, thank you so much for downloading Southlake this week and listening to us. I, I'm having a ton of fun with this, and you know, I hope to keep it up over this next year and, and into the future. Just having great interviews with interesting people around town who work here, who live here, who um, impact this community in different ways. I, I hope you guys stay with me for these stories. Um, because like I said, I'm having a, a great time with it. Thanks for continuing to download and, and uh, you guys enjoy this episode. Good morning, everyone. It is John Huffman, your host of Southlake This Week. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. I think you guys are really going to enjoy today's interview. I say that every week, but hey, it's true every week. Uh, today, I've got Tim O'Hare, who is a relatively recent Southlake resident. Um, I say relatively recent. I think his family's been here for six years, maybe seven years. Um, so within the last decade. You know, on that note, though, it's interesting... Um, to me, to talk to folks, especially large groups of folks, and see how many people have moved to Southlake um, within the last five or ten years, and I tell it's it's a large number. It's amazing. I, I don't I don't get the sense that this town has a ton of turnover. We've been here for over ten years now, um, but there's just been there have been a lot of folks move here from all over the place. Like even within the last five years, um, Sean McCaskill, uh, who's my good friend on council. He and I went to go speak at Walnut Grove to the um, kind of dads and donuts group probably, I don't know, six or nine months ago. And uh, there were 150 dads in the room, I want to say. And we did a poll just by show of hands, how many folks had uh, had lived in Southlake for fewer than five years. And I bet three quarters of the room put up their hands. It was amazing. It was amazing, which is cool. It's a cool testament to what we are doing in this community to what we have done to, you know, to all the hard work that city leaders and community leaders of the past have put into, uh, put into making this place so special. So thank you to all of you. Um, and thank you to everyone who's listening. And I hope you guys enjoy this interview. But before we get into the interview, let me say that um, today's restaurant review, I'm very excited about. Uh, it is a restaurant that I would you know, I frankly, I hadn't even considered going to. I'd seen before, but I hadn't considered it um, until maybe a month ago when my family and I uh, were talking about what to do. We wanted to go somewhere new, you know, obviously trying to new, try new restaurants, make sure we're supporting our South Lake food scene. Um, and I was hankering for Chinese food. And it, one thing you got to know about me, I'm, I kind of really have. A, an unsophisticated palate. I mean, I love food and I love good food. So in that sense, I guess my, my palate is sort of sophisticated, but I am very content with very cheap, large amounts of food. So I say that to say, when I say I was hankered for Chinese food, what I mean was I was wishing there was a cheap Chinese food buffet in the city of Southlake that I could patronize, um, which sounds gross to many of you. But again, I kind of eat like a college student. I mean, like my kids... They love CC's, and I'm okay with that. I'm happy to spend some time eating cheap CC's pizza because it's delicious. All right, it's just delicious. So anyway, all right, full disclosure, you got to understand that's where I'm coming from. So anyway, we were thinking about Chinese food, and then I remembered there's a pl this place that I'm about to give you a review on that is in the Hobby Lobby Shopping Center. It is called Golden China Chinese Cuisine. 
So Golden China is tucked in the corner of this shopping center um, where, where Hobby Lobby and DeLuca are. Uh, and we kind of first time we went there, uh, like I said, it was about a month ago. I thought it was a Chinese buffet. Um, so we got there and when we sat down, we got the menus and, and it was it became you know obvious that it wasn't a buffet, a traditional, you know, where it's all the food's laid out and you just kind of go up and get what you want. Um, but it smelled just delicious. And I was super excited about it. Um, and when we started ordering and they started bringing some appetizers, it became very clear very fast that um, they were not kidding around on portion size. So it was almost like family-style dining. <clears throat> Excuse me. Almost like family-style dining in the sense that all the portions were huge. We didn't really – we way over-ordered because we thought we were sort of getting entree-type deals. So we ordered, you know, the um, Kung Pao chicken, and it was like Kung Pao chicken for four. (laughs) But we ordered four or five of those dishes, so we ended up with a ton of leftovers. But it was delicious. Did not have a bad bite. Um, Everything was great. Uh, We love edamame, so we had had the edamame to start, and then we got some different different dishes, some chicken dishes, some vegetarian dishes, and some some beef. It was just absolutely delicious. Golden China in the Hobby Lobby Shopping Center at 1709 and Davis. You guys go check it out. Um, Show them some love. Great food, great atmosphere, really enjoyable meal. So when we come back, interview with Mr. Tim O'Hare. And we are back with a very special guest. Well, I'm not going to say very special because I think that might go to his head. Might be very, very special. Mr. Dr. Esquire, (laughs) Timothy Jehoshaphat O'Hare. Tim O'Hare, everybody. How are you, sir? Hello, John. Good to be with you. (laughs) That was very official sounding. Yes. Thank you. So I know um, this is is kind of jumping into something in the middle, but you you co-host... For radio shows, or you guest host sometimes. I, I guest host on six sixty AM. The answer for Mark Davis occasionally, yes. which has a giant uh, listenership. It's a very very big show. If anybody listens to talk radio, they know Mark Davis. Fifty sixty more than you've got on your podcast, maybe maybe a hundred, maybe maybe a hundred. But where really my, where I'm going with this is: is this the most sophisticated sound studio that you've ever been in? No. It's not? It isn't. But we have two microphones here. The the Mark Davis studio is pretty impressive. It's, it's pretty, pretty neat to just see how it all works. Really? you got to have a PhD to uh, just to run the board. I mean, it, there's more buttons on that thing than in a 747. There aren't any buttons on this thing. No, this is looks like there's one. Is it one? Is it on? on, on. <laughs> but you know what? It works. It works. We're, our voices are recording. Well, thank you for coming on, my friend. I appreciate it. So, uh, Tim, you are, I'd say, a relatively new resident of South. Like, you've been here since 2010, 2011? Yeah, we bought land here in 2011, but we didn't actually move in until March of 2014. 2014. So, so we will, it'll be five years here in uh, two months. And you came from Farmer's Branch? The thriving metropolis of Farmer's Branch, Texas, where I was, I, I was going to say born and raised, but, you know, I was born in a hospital in Dallas, so I guess, but I was certainly raised there. Came home from the hospital of Farmer's Branch and lived there. Literally from the time I was born, not counting college, till essentially I was 40, what? Yeah. 45. Oh, your whole life in Farmer's Branch. Yeah. So that's the angle of your story that I think is interesting from a South Lake perspective is, uh, and it's not that just that you lived in Farmer's Branch. You were Mr. Farmer's Branch. You were actually the mayor of Farmer's Branch. I was the mayor. I was on the city council. Uh, what was 2005 to 2008? And then I was mayor 2008 to 2011. And it's kind of funny... I got married really late in life, 
had kids late, so I didn't meet my wife till I was 38. We got married when I was 39. Uh, kid didn't have our first child to 41. So when I was mayor of Farmers Branch, um, when I got elected, I had literally known Kristen for three months. Kristen, your wife. Uh-huh. And then we got engaged in August. So I was elected mayor in May, engaged in August, married in December. And then we our first baby, Katie, was... Uh, well, Kristen was carrying her when my term was going to end. And uh, no, that's not true. Kristen was carrying her when I had to decide whether or not to run for re-election. And yeah, I actually had her, and then I think I had four months left of my term. So we were trying to decide, okay, what are we going to do? Am I going to run again or not? Right. And we had reached the conclusion back. So that was that was the late fall or winter of 2010-2011 where you have to decide are you going to run again. Right. And we had kind of decided late summer, early fall that no, we were going to move somewhere else to raise our kids. We wanted to be in a, a small town like South Lake. I call that a small town where it was a one high school town, great school district. So we didn't run again for mayor. And then literally that that fall started looking for land. I actually came over and met with John Terrell while I was still mayor of Farmer's really? Branch. Yeah. Former mayor him, John Terrell. Asked him not to divulge broadcast it over, but I because I, I was still mayor of Farmer's Branch, but I came over and said, Hey, we're thinking about moving here. We've got uh, we're moving out of Farmer's Branch and we're gonna be in one of four places. You're one of them. Tell me why I should move here. And great conversation. And I would say we've been friends ever since. And and I, let me say this. I love Farmer's Branch. It's my hometown, always will. Uh, have great memories there, have a lot of relatives that still live there. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, I have very good feelings about Farmer's Branch, still a Farmer's Branch fan. Just I thought South Lake would be a better place to raise our, our kids. And right. so far, we just love it. You do. I mean, you're wearing a dragon sweatshirt right now. Yeah. You I've are. Been converted. Yes. Yeah, so you guys really have d- divin, dove, dove? Dived. Dived. Really? Is it dive? I don't know. I know good words. What does Trump <laughs> say? The best words. I have the best words. You guys have jumped in feet first into the deep end and, you know, are all dragging all the time, which I love. You know, it's pretty cool. We, uh, I did, when I was mayor, I did a lot of research into cities, what made cities tick. Right. So Farmer's Branch had, and I forget these numbers, so uh, I think there were 28 or 29 cities wholly contained within Dallas County. And Farmer's Branch was dead last in property value appreciation. Wow. So I wanted to turn that around. Yeah, for sure. And and so I did a lot of research into other cities, did a lot of looking, studying, visiting, and uh, kind of kind of cool. By the time I left, our property values in Dallas County were the fourth best in terms of appreciation. Wow. So we took it from 28 to 4 in a Solid. very short time period. But... In doing all that, I kind of knew here are some outstanding cities and here are cities that I think are going to be really strong just from an education perspective, an economic perspective, a property value appreciation perspective for a long time. And those four cities that we narrowed it down to that we were going to move to were South Lake, Mm -hmm. Highland Park, Flower Mound, and Argyle. Interesting. And we visited all of them. Um, Flower Mound is going to top out at uh, 
I mean, several hundred thousand people. So we didn't want to be part of that. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Pretty wild. Wow. And and plus, it's at least two high schools right now. Yes. Yes. And that's just in the Louisville School District. If you count, right? There's a part of Flower Mound that goes in the Argyle just School less, District. So yes. it, it's just kind of a divided town, which was one of the things we didn't like about Farmers Branch was that there wasn't one thing that everybody rallied around. Right. So we eliminated Flower Mound. Um, Argyle was just a little bit too. It was just a little bit too undeveloped for us. Right. I mean, it's pretty far out there. 15, even now, 20 minute drive to a grocery store. Right. right. Of course, this was back. You know, this is now. We're talking almost we're ten years ago. Almost, yeah, almost ten years ago. Nine, eight, nine years ago. And uh, Highland Park. I would say Highland Park's the closest thing to South Lake, except it's just right there in the middle of that big trafficy bubble of Dallas. Right. And. We just don't like the postage stamp size lots and the crowded streets. We're just we're more suburbanites than yes. we are cityites. Yes. And in South Lake, you had all those things: great school district, thriving city, great retail shopping. But then there's also the rural part. Right. And so you can be literally where we live now. We are five minutes from the, or less really, from one of the nicest shopping areas you can find in the state of Texas. And we're also next door to cows and horses and have some, yep. some what do you call it, equine of our own, our yes. two little donkeys. Livestock. So, livestock, out on the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for those of you guys who don't know, which I would assume be all of you, Tim and I are our neighbors. We live on East Highland Street up on the north side of town. Um, I'm his favorite neighbor, I think. Um, I've never asked him directly. I don't think I'll put him on the spot, but I'm well, pretty we sure. We haven't met the other ones. So oh, gosh. Right. No, we have. You know, what a, we have a great street. It's a great street. Uh, East Highland is wonderful. Although all y'all who drive down East Highland, I'm just saying, you need to slow down. So you're going way too y'all, fast. Y'all need to slow down. Yeah. But we do. We have donkeys. If anybody wants to come visit, we have donkeys on Tim's. Uh, my wife and I have goats. Um, we have chickens. If we can keep them alive, depends on the the, the week or the month. And then I guess if chickens. you want to say it this way, three doors down, there's a uh, a head of cattle. Yeah, literally. Yeah, Look, is a head more than one? Is it a head so. one? No, a head is several. God, we're such city folk. <laughs> uh, well, so I love the part of your story that you were mayor's mayor of Farmers Branch and that you came to Southlake because I feel like it's kind of like like the Heat recruiting LeBron a little bit, right? We're taking that star player away from another city. I love it so much. The competitive side of me just loves it so much. But I am curious, how did you first like know about Southlake? Because when you were growing up in Highland Park, Southlake was a nothing town. Like forty years ago, there was nothing out here. Uh, and I say nothing town. There were people, and there was the beginnings of great stuff, but it's not the South Lake we know today, right? Yeah, so I have a cousin. Um, it's the Thatch family, uh, uh, Terry and Pamela. Pamela's my first cousin, and they moved out to South Lake uh, probably, I want to say it was the early 90s. And I am sure I had heard of South Lake in the early 90s being a 20-something-year-old. Right. But I know I'd never been here and knew nothing about it. And we came out and visited them one day. Uh, South Is it South Ridge Lakes? Is that what it is? That's right. It was one of the okay, very so, first developments. So that's where they lived. Yep. And uh, so we came out there. So that's the first time I'd ever been to South Lake. We came out there for a kid's graduation party, I think. And... Uh, didn't didn't know much about it. What really attracted what what made me first look at South Lake was football. Right. So I'm just I am a football guy. I've loved football since the day I could watch a television, and uh, 
you know, if you know anything about football, you know South Lake is great in football and has been. So I, the, the thing that uh, I think a lot of cities, school districts don't realize how important that is to your community. They know it's important. They build nice stadiums. They root on the team. But what it does for your community, it brings people in like me, like our family, who are going to be serious about education. We're right. going to make sure our kids work hard, uh, dot their I's, cross their T's, mind their P's and Q's, do the right thing, and study and work and give it their all. And that just compounds. And right. then more come in because there's excellence in everything they do. And so it brings people in who want that for their kids. So that's kind of our story. And uh, that's what first made me look at it. But then when I was mayor, um, I'm looking around. It was There was a graph that uh, I think the appraisal districts put together. But it was a graph on the appreciation rate of single-family homes mm. throughout the Metroplex. Yep. That's what, I, what first caught my eye was like, Good gosh, look where we are. Yeah. We're dreadful. While we're at 2% or 3%, here's a community that's at 17%. Here's a community that's at 14 Here's a community that's at 18 Okay, what are they doing? Right, right. And then I figured out what they were doing, and then in Farmer's Branch, we tried to replicate a lot of that. Right. Some of it, if you're an older town, you just simply can't replicate, and that is if your school district is aging. Yes, it's hard to do much with that. Yeah. Aging um, infrastructure, things that need repair. Yeah, and yeah. just a, really aging neighborhoods. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's things you can do, and we, we did a lot of good things um, to, to improve that appreciation rate, improve property values, improve neighborhoods, and, and retail centers. But when you have a great school district, that's just uh, that's tough, that's tough to beat. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of it, it, And if you look around the Metroplex, you have parts of Dallas, like Preston Hollow, that feed into DISD, where their property values are through the roof. Um, other than that, I'm not sure I can name a single area of town that feeds into a what most people would describe a less than desirable school district where property value appreciation is through the roof. That's you so can't true. find it. No, that's so uh, true. But you find it. You find when the schools are great. Man, there's just no stopping the the property values. Yeah, that's so true. We we talk about that a lot, and in, in, from the, the city side of things, because we were we we view ourselves as partners, right, with the district a little bit um, in a lot of different ways. I'll tell you, and as an aside, whoever, I mean, I know that it was. A, I don't I don't know if it was a battle, but it was at least um, a, a somewhat divisive issue once upon a time when they were trying to figure out what they're going to do with high schools when Southwick was big enough where it needed to go to two high schools. And somebody drew a line in the sand and said, "No, South Lake. We're in South Lake. We're dragons, and we're going to stay dragons. So nine and ten go to the go to the high school. Eleven and twelve go to the senior high. I think that was the single top three at least best decisions that this town ever made because it it really established this sense, this cohesive sense of community, um, and and that that you don't see in a lot of places, especially a lot of like the suburbs and the exurbs. Like when I grew up, uh, I my my 
cousins and my aunt, my uncle, they all lived out here. They lived in Richardson and Plano. And so growing up in College Station, um, God's country, um, heaven on earth, as some call it. I, I mean, I was just, it's a wonderful place. Um, uh, so we, we drove up to Dallas-Fort Worth, right? My conception of Dallas-Fort Worth was Plano and Richardson. Just this endless concrete suburban sprawl. And there's just some no, it was like you couldn't tell where one city began and the other ended. No offense to Plano or Richardson. But it just, it wasn't what I wanted. So when my wife and I were coming back to Texas from D.C., we started looking around. And, and I, I was convinced we were going to be down in Houston. Until we spent six weeks, I was clerking for a law firm in Dallas, and we lived in Colleyville at my at my wife's aunt and uncle's house. And we came up to Kincaid's. I remember the day uh, we came up to Kincaid's for lunch, and we were driving around South Lake to the town square. And I was like, "What is this place? This feels mm-hmm. totally different." Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like its own self-contained community in the sea of suburbs. And I think the school district, like you said, is a huge, huge part of that. When I uh, went over and visited with uh, Mayor Terrell. There were three or four things that he told me that after I left that meeting, I went back and told my wife, okay, South Lake is it. And, uh, you know, of course, I mean, we talked about why and those things. One of those things was he told me that very thing about how there was a big divisive issue about going to two high schools. Right. And after what had happened, he said South Lake will never split into two high schools. And that was a big selling point for me because in Farmer's Branch, about, oh, ballpark, 75% of the of Farmers Branch is in Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD, 25% in DISD. But when you break down the children, it's probably 50% go to uh, Carrollton Farmers Branch, probably 15, 20% go to DISD, and then the remaining percentage is scattered all around in private schools. Right. So there isn't that thing that binds everyone together yep. like there is here yep. where everybody knows the Dragons are in the playoffs or everybody yeah. knows that we, there's a new head coach. Everybody wears the green. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, when I was growing up, you couldn't go into a grocery store or a 7-Eleven or a, a sporting goods store and find more than maybe one T-shirt for your high school. Yeah, right. Here, you can go to 20 stores, and they've got high-end, nice-quality clothes you can wear with dragon logos. You know, it's just, it's a different, it's a different animal. Yeah, yeah. It's a good place. Um, You know, I'm curious, though, because you you were on council and the mayor of Farmer's Branch. And Farmer's Branch, you and I have driven through it. You gave me a tour one day, and I think it's actually a beautiful place. It is not what I expected. Um, I, I, I kind of still had that kind of Dallas County, Richardson, Plano kind of, you know, sense in my head as we were at, before we, we got out there, but there's actually a lot more green space than I, than I thought. And we, we went through the historical park. Um, I think that's what it's called, mm-hmm. yep. um, which was a very, very cool deal. So, um, it's got a lot of go- good things going for it. So I, I'm just curious from your perspective, having been in leadership in that city and then looking at what we're doing here in South Lake, where are some things that you think that we could you know, learn from Farmer's Branch or learn from what you guys did over there well? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a Farmer's Branch historically has put a premium on parks and nice parks. Right. And they've invested in the parks. And you get a lot of people that complain about the spending, but then when you get to drive through a town that is full of beautiful oaks and creeks, and you can go feed the ducks, and you can go throw the frisbees by this beautiful large, these beautiful large green spaces, well, A, that helps property values, B, it just 
gives you a more peaceful feel. If there's anything that I would say South Lake, if there's anything I would say South Lake doesn't have enough of or hasn't placed the same premium on that Farmers Branch has, it's it's the parks and the green space. You can find some, but they're kind of tucked away and they're not nearly as big or wide open or grand. The the new, I say the new, it's probably now a couple years old, the Dragon Park. Yes. You know, when we moved here, that didn't exist. Uh, so, the playground at Bicentennial? Yeah. 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 That's phenomenal. Yes. We don't have anything like that in Farmer's Branch. I would love to see, you mentioned the historical park. It, it essentially acts as a little mini, and I mean really mini, central park. Right, right. For Farmer's Branch. I'd love to see a historical park, mini central park area for South Lake that's a, you know, our, our community gathering place is the town square. Right. And it's got a, there's a lot of neat features about that. Adding another that's park-like green space, ponds, trees, wildlife, birds, swans, you know, right. strutting around, that would, that would definitely add something to it. The other thing, and I, I would go from a more negative perspective, that South Lake could learn from Farmer's Branch. Farmer's Branch neglected code enforcement hmm. for the better part of a decade. You mean just dr- residential, fences light, down. fences, yeah. Nobody yeah. got a notice that, hey, you got to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, garage doors falling off, um, allowing a big problem is you had all these small homes and they allowed people to convert their garages to, to you know, residents, you yeah. know, place to live. Sure. Well, now there's no place to put a car. Right. You got to park on the street or in you your driveway. Park on the street, yeah. and so now you got these little tiny streets where cars parked on both sides, yep. and sometimes ambulances have trouble getting down them. Cars have trouble getting down them. Uh, elderly people have had trouble backing out of their driveways because there were so many cars. They'd run over the, and then you'd have people start parking in the yards. So there's just. Uh, being diligent with code enforcement, not being, you know, over aggressive, um, but making sure we maintain the standard that we all love here, which makes South Lake neighborhoods so nice, not letting that slip. That's something we could learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good thought because, you you know, you look at the the development and the age of the development in South Lake, there's some stuff that's um, that's getting getting older. I mean, there's nothing historical. There's nothing you know built in the 20s, 30s. It's still you know usable. It's not like grapevine, but uh, but you know you get some housing developments that in the 70s and 80s. And and you know the good thing, what we have going for us is it, it, with those the older developments. You talk about like cross timber ridges or uh, some of these others. Um, See so you. I mean, they're they're on an acre, which I thought was great for the longest time. And Mayor Hill talks about it. Uh, when she moved here, it was two acres. It was scandalous that you know <laughs> South Lake went from two to one acre. Right. So so the fact that the, the the tracks of land are so large, I think, helps preserve that. You know, preserve the value in a lot of different ways. But also, I think we're going to start to see some infill, some 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 uh, uh, demo demolishing of these of these older houses and some bigger ones building up. It'll be interesting to manage that because you don't want you know, we we did, we did a house flip in Grapevine um, for the TV show, and it was it was in a historical district, which I thought was 
very, very frustrating in a lot of different ways. But um, one of the points that the historical commission made was, well, if you if, if if one house on a street goes to a knockdown, if it's truly old, like if it's 70, 80 years old, and you let one house get knocked down and built up, then that becomes a tear like a teardown neighborhood. And that's true. That's true. Now, I think you can make the argument that some older neighborhoods, especially in Grapevine, maybe where my house was, sometimes the construction's not worthy of keeping for another hundred years, right? Sometimes right. you kind of need to knock it down. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we talked about Highland Park before we started taping, and the the postage stamp size lots aside, they've done an excellent job of maintaining older homes and, and doing the teardowns and rebuilds, and they, they mesh together because Highland Park doesn't let the older ones just sit there and rot. Right. They make sure that they're up kept kept up. The but also the price of the real estate is so high, very few people are gonna buy into there and then let their house go to pot. Right, right. So you, you got that going for you too. No, true. So uh, you were in local politics for a long time. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you miss local politics? You can't go negative because I you have that look like you're about to say negative ten. Um, so if I have to start with one, no, I, I'll tell you. How, how much do I miss local politics? Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I miss it. Um, we, had a, we had a little different deal going in Farmers Branch than we have in South Lake. South Lake, at least from my perspective, what I can see, doesn't have a group of people who are bound and determined to make the city council and or the school board members' lives miserable. That's right. We had that element in Farmer's Branch. Sounds terrible. I mean, just some real clowns. And uh, and so I don't, no one on earth could miss that. Right. The two parts I miss, I missed being part of a team. Right. That had, a, had shared goals about taking a city which was once, you gotta remember this about Farmer's Branch, Club Corp, largest country club um, corporation yes. in the world. Owns or Timuron or manages it? Or, yeah, yeah, owns Timuron. Owns Timuron. First country club they ever built was Brookhaven Country Club and Farmer's Branch. Three golf courses, some like 20-something tennis courts. Wow. Back in the 70s, members of Brookhaven Country Club, Tom Landry, while he was winning Super Bowls, Martina Navratilova, while she was winning Grand Slam events, Charlie really? Pride, while he was... Ha- you know, had number one hits in country music. Wow. This was this was the place to be. Over a twenty year period, Farmers Branch just collapsed. Wow. And you you don't ever want to let that happen to your community. And I don't think South Lake is in danger of that, but there's lessons you can learn there. Um, but I mean this was a just a thriving, amazing I mean just not not quite as nice as South Lake. During you know what is I'd say South Lake is in the middle of its heyday. Yeah, but not quite like that, but but not too far from it. Sure. And then it then it fell, and uh, we had a group of people on the council that recognized it. In fact, three of us had lived there for thirty, forty something years, so we knew it, and we said, all right, we've got to fix this and right the ship. And so we were bound and determined to do it. We made a lot of changes. A lot of people up in arms about different things we did but almost all of them worked out for the betterment of the city and people ended up liking them so that, I miss I miss that that teamwork yeah. the camaraderie yeah. and I miss being able you know 
in Washington, D.C., or even in Austin, you make a move, you take a step, you pass a law, you do something, you don't really see day-to-day the mm-hmm. change that it made. Right, right. When you're doing something with a city, I mean, you can literally, a project you worked on, an ordinance you crafted, refined, and put into place, you can see every day when you're driving down the road, every day when you go home, you can see the effects of your labor. Yep, that's right. I, I miss that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. No, it's true, and, and it's it's the most accessible level of politics, right? I mean, you're everyone knows where to find you. You're not secret. You're not a you know. You don't get to go home to the constituency half a country away. But it's the it's least paid attention to. Yeah, I know it's it, crazy. It, it could have almost as much effect or more than any other elected office. I think, but it's more. the least paid attention. To. Yeah, I mean, so few people show up to vote. I think the average That's in Tarrant crazy. County. For municipal turnout, South Lake does better than this, fortunately. But average turnout is somewhere between six and eight percent of the electorate for a municipal or school board race. I it. It's unreal. I think South Lake we top out between twenty and twenty-five percent, which is phenomenal relatively speaking, most cities. But yeah. still, it's crazy. One out of every four or five people are deciding who's in charge. It's crazy, and I understand. You know, I, I live this. I'm in the middle of it. You do too. Like I can't conceive of a situation in which I wouldn't take the ten minutes to vote. You know, it really takes 10 minutes and, and I don't want to get preachy because everyone's busy and I get that. But like when you have like three weeks early voting or 10 days or 12 days or whatever. Gosh, if you're not voting now, maybe, what, so what in the world are you doing? Yeah. It's so easy to vote. So yeah. I, um, yeah, I, that's, you know, it's, it, that's definitely near and dear to my heart. But yeah, I, I don't, I, South Lake is better, I think, cause, again, because of that community feel. And I think a lot of people want to be involved. But to your point, it's one out of every four still that comes out and pulls the pulls the lever. You know, the old, well, mama taught me to, you know, is overused, but mama taught me to go vote. Yeah. yeah and so, right. I mean, she told me I was voting from an early age. Yeah. And first time I could vote, I couldn't wait to get out and vote. Yeah, no question. No question. Um, okay, so in your professional life, I know what you do, but will you tell everybody what you do? I, I will, yes. Yeah. So I run a law firm. It's not coincidentally named the losses of Tim O'Hare. It's very creative. And uh, yeah, where did you come up with that? Took me a lot of time to figure that one out. Did you have to sit down with like a branding company? Like, <laughs> yes. like okay, what am I going for here? Uh, I, t- I did something really stupid at the beginning. So I'm Tim O'Hare. I've been known as Tim O'Hare my whole life. Everybody knows me, Tim O'Hare. But I thought, you know what? I need to have a lawyer sounding name. So I, my Timothy. first, my first firm name was the losses of Timothy O'Hare and Associates. And one day it just kind of dawned on me, boy, that was dumb. <laughs> and uh, so I, I changed it, and it's been that way ever since. And that was, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago. That's funny. So what I do is I do personal injury law. And it's a shame I have to say what I'm about to say, but I always do. Right. There are just some real idiots <laughs> on TV and and, that, and, and and even not on TV that do personal injury law. Right. That give people like me a bad name. Sure. Um, there are tons of people that are legitimately hurt through no fault of their own. They don't have health insurance or their deductible is so high they can't afford it. Yep. And insurance companies are not there to help them. No. It's not It's not like health insurance. When you're dealing with a car wreck, an auto carrier, or you're dealing with a, a fall or a something or get hit over the head with something falling at a premises, um, when you're dealing with that, they're not sitting there paying your doctor bills as you go. Yeah. So 
we real people find themselves on the verge of bankruptcy and don't know what to do or where to turn and the insurance companies aren't helping them. Those are the people we help, legitimately injured, who need real help f because they're in a bad situation. And I've been doing it for, I've been a lawyer now for, it'll be 22 years in May. Um, I, f I started out defending insurance companies my first year out of law school. I quickly switched over to the side helping the injured because there was a need for, right. for people of integrity. High integrity, yep. To be in that profession yep. and help injured victims. And so that's what we do. Uh, you know, we've we've been fortunate. We've received a lot of awards, got a lot of recognition from our peers. So we, we do it the right way. And uh, and we've been doing it a good long while and have been pretty successful. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I... I feel your pain in this. Well, not only did I used to be a lawyer, but I now um, run a, as you know, run a residential remodeling, uh, contracting, construction firm, and I have to make the same caveat. There's a lot of people in my business that give the good guys, you know, the ones of us who are trying to do it right, give us a real bad name, and, and you almost end up apologizing for your industry. That's but right. Yeah. I think that's probably endemic to most businesses. Well, you know what it does? For, for both my business and yours, it gives us a real opportunity. That's right. To do it the right way and right. show people. And if you do it the right way, that comes back to you 10 times over. Yeah, that's right. And and the reality is with, with personal injury law, you know, people can say what they want, but if you get hurt, you get into a car wreck, you want a good lawyer on your side. Absolutely. You really they have lawyers. Want that's right. They go to school. They're trained on how to get you to buy in and believe them and trust them so they can save money for their company. Yep. And when they're saving money for their company, they're hurting someone in the process. Yeah, that's right. And, and exactly unfortunately, right. this is this a lot of this is win lose. It's not there's not a lot of win wins in this one. So you got to have somebody on on your side that knows what they're doing and that understands the way insurance companies play the game. Yeah, and and I think this goes with a lot of a lot of the plaintiff side of the bar, right? The products liability and all that. You know, that's the that's the side that uh, you know the defense industry kind of makes. Uh, or the defense side it makes into it characterizes and criticizes but the reality is that you know most of us put our kids in a car seat with a good amount of you know assurance and, and mental assurance that it's going to hold the kid if we get into a wreck right or, or you put your kid into a, um, a a baby carriage or a crib and you feel pretty good that it's not going to collapse on your kid or it doesn't pose an imminent threat most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. The reason you feel good about that is because of a history of litigation against companies that have done it the wrong way. Not saying that there isn't predatory, um, you know, plaintiff suits or products liability suits. There certainly is. Um, and not, not everyone is is um, meritorious. There are some frivolous suits in, in any industry, right? Not about it. But... You know, there's there's a lot of litigation that happens that's very legitimate, and the fact is that a lot of the safety stuff, and it includes you know insurance for trucking companies on the road and safety training on the road. I mean, big companies they start to think um, that they understand liability, and they understand if they don't do things right, then a good lawyer is gonna you know have their lunch, and rightfully so. So, the plaintiff side of the bar is very necessary to a functioning society. In my no question, and I'll tell you a quick story. I represented a family who lost their four-year-old mm. when they took him to a hospital to get stitches because he had a little cut on his head. All right. And when they started to put the needle in him to deaden his forehead so they could stitch him up, he just started screaming. So a nurse 
laid on top of him oh and held gosh. him down um, so they could put the needle in and stitch him up. Well, by the time the nurse got off of him, she had suffocated him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so my gosh. Just horrific. Oh. Well, so we represent them against hospital, and it's confidential settlement sure. and who the defendant was, but it's a hospital institution everybody around here is familiar with. Well, that hospital changed the way at hospitals throughout the state wow. changed the way they dealt with children hmm. and there's no telling how many lives were saved or catastrophic injuries and suffering was prevented right. because of what we did and if we had just said oh well hey it's too bad and hey how about an apology and we'll go on about our way Caveat it would internal. have changed nothing yeah that's exactly so right so a change happened that saved lives and and saved yep. countless children from suffering that's it that's a it's a it, it, it's a necessary part of our society yes bottom line. it is where'd you go to law school smu smu and you went to before that you went to a remind me it was a small community college the finest institution in the state of texas the oh. university of texas at austin oh, which i know watching them destroy your sec loving georgia in the sugar bowl was very painful for you it was it was um, bitterly painful. I turned it off in the third quarter because I was sick to my stomach because I knew this conversation was going to occur. <sighs> well, that was fun to dominate them. I, you know, so I took my oldest to the game, as you know. Yes. And uh, You I, are brainwashing her, by the way, sir. I just want to tell you, and she, your oldest, Tim's oldest and my youngest are best friends, and they live 50 yards from each other and they're playing around and, and there's just I'm seeing a lot of hook 'em horns in my house that I never anticipated having to deal with at such a young age. Yeah, somebody's got to fix Aggie children. Why not why not it be us? So, we went to this game, shoot, you know, at the Superdome in New Orleans and typically end zone seating is not where you want to be for a game. Right. Uh, so our tickets in Austin, you know, we're on the, about the 20, no, we're on the 30-yard line. We're on, I don't know why I said it, 30-yard line. And, but this one, I got seats right behind the goalposts. Hmm. And normally I would try to get rid of them and get a, get a better seat. But I said, all right, what the heck, we'll, we'll go to this. And it was so cool was seeing it? the game. The Superdome. So we were on the second level. And the second level basically kind of just hangs out over the back of the end zone. Oh, so you're like cool. right on it. That's cool. And uh, we had a we had a blast. So yesterday, this is funny, the game is on Longhorn Network. You know, they replay it. So we're watching it. The first extra point of the game um, is kicked, you know, right into us. Yeah, cool. And so I stopped it and I went up to the TV and I pointed and I said, all right, that's where we are. And you would have thought... Katie started jumping up and down. I mean, like screaming, so happy that she was on TV. That's I mean, not, awesome. a, not a human being on earth would notice that was us. I just knew where we were sitting. It was pretty cute. Doesn't matter. She was on TV. Oh, she jumped up and down screaming. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty good. Well, that's cool. Uh, I, I yeah, I gotta respect um, that little quarterback y'all have down there. He is he is very clearly a player. Um, make plays with his feet. Looks like he can actually throw the ball. Is he a sophomore? He is. So he's got a couple, and he's a, he's a, a true years. sophomore too. Yeah, yeah. I think y'all are gonna be pretty salty next year. I think we got another couple of years before we see if Jimbo Fisher can pull this off. My my Aggies will, you know, the, the slogan down there, Tim, and we don't tell people outside A and M is uh, <laughs> "There's always next year." Since 1876. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. He number two recruiting class in the country. Not bad. Um, took a team that was what 500 or a game over 500. And what they went eight and four and won their bowl game yep. nine and four 
you got to think, you got to be very pleased with where they are this year. Yeah, better than expected, yeah. for sure. Man, he's, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he he's a good coach. He does. I mean, he, they they went out and they broke the bank on him. Um, this fight, you know, $75 million over 10 I was about say, he better be a good coach because you're be. stuck with him for the next decade. So I, this is an, a bit of an embarrassing story for me. I, I, uh, I got a call from a fundraiser down at A&M uh, <laughs> about a, two weeks, three weeks after they signed Jimbo and uh, asking for money and I, I, ba- I don't think I was very nice to her. She was just doing her job. But I basically said, if you've got $75 million for Jim Fisher, you don't need my my two cents. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's just you, football makes so much money in Texas. It's incredible. It makes so much money. Well, it's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty fun. Hey, you guys have a South Lake guy on on you know Texas, the uh, little Jordan, uh, little Jordan Humphreys, man. That dude's a player. Oh, he's he's gonna be good. He's uh, he's a junior. He's a junior. Okay. And he's a uh, and it's it's funny when we came over here. Uh, right after we moved here, I think we came and watched a game and watched him, and he was a running back, you know. Right, right. And uh, he's the tallest running back I've ever seen. But he was good. You could tell he was good. And when Texas was recruiting him, I thought, oh, that'll be fun. You know, South Lake guy going there. And they move him to receiver, and he's become a really good receiver. And so right now, Texas fans are sitting there on uh, pins and needles to see if he's going to turn pro or come back for his senior year. You think he, is he good enough to declare? You think he would get I mean, he, he, he would be a top – he'll be a third through fifth round draft pick. Really? But I think the NFL, you know, that, that committee that they put together for juniors yes. uh, advised him to come back. Okay, good. Which they advise you to come back if you're not going to be in round one or two. Okay, interesting. So – but you never know. Some team could fall in love with him and – Pick him in the second round. I mean, he's certainly on a first-round pick. Right. Well, that's uh, tough. That's tough. I feel like if that were my kid, I would still. If it was, if you were getting graded at a third, fourth, and maybe fifth-round level, I'd still. I'd probably tell him to go. To yeah, that's that's a tough call, isn't it? I, it is because I mean, one play, man, one play. So commit to a senior season where I mean, truly one play, you can change your life. Not saying that that these phenomenal athletes don't come back from injuries. They certainly do. The Cowboys have that linebacker who. Got hurt in the bowl game, Jalen Smith. Yeah, Jalen Smith, and yeah. he's he's been phenomenal. But I think that's more the exception than the rule. You get, I mean, you get hurt, and that's God, that's a lot of money. Yeah, just on a percentage basis. So, so I mean, it's such a minuscule number of people that get hurt and then can't ever play again. I mean, yeah. it happens. Yeah, th- this whole movement of I'm going to skip the bowl game. I just, I, boy, that rubs me wrong. <laughs> You know, West Virginia yeah. played Syracuse. That's trash. They would have beat Syracuse by yes. 40 points yes, yes. if they had their quarterback. And they put some guy in there that looks like he hadn't played since he was in junior yeah. high. And yeah. he and they, and they still, I think, were within 10 points. Their quarterback decided, you know, the leader of your team. Yeah. And he says, well, best for my future that I don't play this game. I, I just – it doesn't sit well with me. So, again, if that were my kid, I'd probably tell him to do that. Would you really? I I would. I would say you get your butt down there and you play in the game. They gave you a scholarship and they paid you two years. That's fair. You don't don't leave your team. I wonder if your your perspective isn't colored by the fact that you played football at Texas, though. So that's kind of your – you were a player. I'll tell you, having been been an athlete, my whole life I was on teams and it was my favorite thing to do. Sure. Um, I mean, literally from the time I was six years old until even even after college, I played on different basketball, yeah. church basketball, church softball, you know, and just just team was so ingrained in me from an early age. The idea that you don't go play in your team's bowl game because you're going to go prepare for sure. the draft, I just, ugh. 
It's, can't stand it. It's sort of the antithesis of the whole team thing. Exactly. I, again, though, if it were my kid, I'd probably tell him to do it unless unless he was playing for the championship. If he was in the playoffs, I would say that's go do it. But if you're if he was in some garbage bowl that wasn't you know the they they had some terrible what was it the uh, it was like the macaroni and cheese bowl I don't know it was some these, there was a cheese it cheese it bowl that was it TCU played in the cheese yes, bowl the cheese the mighty cheese bowl if, if my kid's playing in the cheese it bowl and the choice is trying to go win the cheese it bowl or prepare for the NFL draft or the combine I'd say go do the draft you know the Independence Bowl the first one of these that I remember where they had just a horrific, awful name. Jesus. It was the Independence Bowl right. in Shreveport. That's interesting because I've, I've heard that for so long, it's like it feels normal. Well, no, no, no. It was, but the, their sponsor, it was the Poulan Weed Eater Independence Bowl. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's that's the bottom of the barrel. No. That's great. I think eight, there's, I don't think there's 127 um, division or whatever they call it. Yes. Now, football bowl subdivision teams. Yes. I think 80 of them played in bowl games. That's crazy. I mean, it's gotten nuts. It's, it's all about TV and the TV money. So I was reading one. I think it was the CEO of the Outback Bowl or the Gator Bowl. It was one of the two. Um, the CEO, and that's all they do is this game. All they do. They don't run another charity game. There's some like that. I think the Peach Bowl also runs the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff. Or the, so sometimes the bowl corporations do different things. All they do is this game. I think it's the Outback Bowl. The guy makes a million dollars a year running the bowl. Game. Running the bowl, and that's all he does. Wow, that's a, that's a good gig. Maybe we should start it. a bowl. I'm just saying. But the, the South Lake Bicentennial Bowl. You play on the. Well, you know what? If you saw market. some of the crowds of some of these bowl games, mm-hmm. that you could fit them in South Lake's Dragon Stadium. You probably could. Yeah. I'll tell you um, though. On that point, and, and specifically with West Virginia and Syracuse, this whole phenomenon of the kids leaving has made these lower bowls unwatchable. Like, it was so bad. The football was so terrible. Yeah. Um, which is sad. Which is sad. Because even in a bad bowl game, it's like, you want to see good football. And the, sure. the fan bases want to see good football. But. but even bad football is better than the rest of it. Better than uh, no football? Uh, yes. It's be- better than baseball. As much as I love baseball, I would agree with you. It's very sad. I was watching the, um, well, we're going to watch the obviously the national championship game on Monday or Tuesday, and it's like, oh, that's it for college football for the year. Isn't that terrible? It's very sad. What can you do? Hopefully, uh, well, it was fun watching the the Dragons this year. I think Coach. It Dodge was. That was a. He did a great job. Yes. That was a fun team, and well, they ran into a buzzsaw in Duncanville. Duncanville was good. That was a team of men. Yeah, I know the truth. Um, okay, so you you don't just uh, lawyer, you also politic. You keep politicking. You you were involved in the Tarrant County GOP as the chairman. Most the recently. chairman of the Tarrant County GOP. Countywide election. Very the cool. The largest Republican county in the state of Texas. How about that? Yeah. So so how what was that like running? I mean, you had Farmers Branch, which is how many people? How many people? Twenty uh, eight thousand. Okay, small. Then you got to run in Tarrant County with. Two million people. That's a, that's a quite a change. That's a you know what in in a in a municipal or school board election. I mean, you literally can meet every voter twice, right? If you work hard enough, right? At it when you're v- running for a countywide seat, especially in a county the size of Tarrant County. I mean, knocking on doors in in, in the route. I mean, that yeah, you know, it's just not. It's getting endorsements from insiders. That's right. how you win, right? It's a total, totally different campaign. Yeah, I uh, a lot of a uh, lot of time spent in the back uh, in, in your truck driving around, <laughs> delivering big signs and <laughs> laying, putting those out. 
I mean, it was like, again, I'm do, used to dealing with South Lake stuff. And it was like, hey, let's go put out signs. Sure, you put out 50 signs in, in two hours. And uh, uh, <laughs> driving around Tarrant County with you was like, we got three signs up and it we took all day. Three signs up in an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, no offense to Kennedale. Until I ran for Tarrant County Republican Party, I never heard of Kennedale. I mean, there's cities that I'm like, what? That's in Tarrant County? I'd never heard of in my life. You know, lived lived in Dallas-Fort Worth my entire life. Cities I never heard of. Places I'd never been. But I'll tell you what that did. I, I now know every single city and main street in Tarrant County, I think, I'll from bet. that campaign. I bet. That's fun. So that was an interesting political job. Yes. And... One that I am not soon to repeat. <laughs> um, okay. Well, on that note, what's what's next? I know you're uh, you're not in office right now, uh, and where I'm really going is: Are you about to run against me in May? Because um, now's the time to announce. You gave me a scale the other a few minutes ago, one to ten. I couldn't go below zero. <laughs> so me ever entering local politics again has less than a zero percent chance. So you're you're safe there. Yes. Yes. I don't know what's next. I don't. In fact, there may not be a next. When I was mayor of Farmers Branch, because we we handled some fairly controversial issues. I was regularly on TV and in the newspaper and right. interviewed by media folks and uh, always got the question, what are you running for next? What are you running for next? And I think we've been conditioned in American politics, I mean, in large part because that's normally what happens, that if you make a name for yourself or you achieve something politically, you're going to keep going. Right. I When I ran for city council and mayor, it was not with higher office in mind it was because my hometown needed a shot in the arm right right when i ran for tarrant county republican party chairman it wasn't higher office in mind it was because the person that was the chair wasn't running again no one had stepped up to do it they needed a good leader they needed to clean up some stuff so i had people approach me ask me to do it i said okay i'll do it i did it you know i went five years from that from mayor of farmers branch to that position and i can Guarantee you, I didn't wasn't thinking when I was leaving the mayor's job that hey five years from now I'm going to run for Tarrant County Republican Party right. chairman. Right. So I don't know that I will run for anything again. I kind of did a lot of things backwards the way most people do them. I didn't get married till I was 39. Didn't have my first kid till I was 41. You know, most people do that early, then get involved in politics. Right. Um, I'm not going to grow up or let my kids grow up. I'm, yeah, I'll probably not grow up either. But I'll probably not let my I'm not going to let my kids grow up while I'm running playing yeah. politics in Washington or Austin. Yep. I'm going to be here with them. Yep. And my oldest, I mean my youngest is going to graduate high school when I'm 65. So, uh, I'm not sure that I'll, I'll ever run for anything again. Hmm. I mean, I'm really not. And in fact, if I had to bet money one way or the other, I'd bet I'd never run for anything again. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, but there's a million ways to get involved and I know you will stay involved. Absolutely. And I'm right now serving on a committee trying to figure some political things out for our side of the aisle. It'll be an interesting time. It will be an interesting couple of years. A lot of crazy. I was talking to Elizabeth about this. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting political events and seasons in the next couple of years. I've got to we got local elections in May, but we got session. Right. That's going on session down in Austin. Legislative session. And that's always a, an adventure. 
Um, and then local elections in May, and then rolls right into primary season for 2020. But all the while, we have presidential primaries, which are going to be an absolute zoo. Um, it rolls into 2020, where we'll have more, more local elections and a presidential race. After 2020, then we've got more local elections. It's just going to be a carousel of insanity. Um, but I, what, you know what I do know uh, is it's time, for, it's time for our lightning round, Tim. Oh, we have a lightning round. Yeah, we have a lightning round. We have a lightning round. A lightning round really is just a series of questions you have to answer very quickly. True, um, false, false, true. No comment. So now I can make up. I'm going to make up these questions and then splice, <laughs> and then splice them in. Um, okay, number one, Mr. O'Hare, what is your favorite South Lake restaurant? I think I know the answer to this. Well, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite South Lake restaurant, I'll tell you, uh, since we've been here, my favorite South Lake restaurants have all gone under. Hmm. Uh, what was the pizza place? I loved the pizza place. Il Campagna? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. That, I, I forgot. I don't know yeah. how to say it. Uh, probably my favorite one yes, now, if I had to put money on it, probably be Rockfish. Rockfish. I like the location. Food's good. One in Town Square? Yeah. 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 I thought what? you were going to say Kincaid's. So I was wrong. No. I like Kincaid's, but no, it's not my favorite. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rockfish is good. Um, okay, favorite South Lake retail spot. When you go shopping, where do you shop? Man, I, it's not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but you know what my favorite store was in Town Square was that was Whole Earth. I know. I was, so I was so yeah, sad. I was so sad to one see th- them. If there's one thing you could do about Town Square, if you had any say-so over it, there's a bunch of women's stores there. Yes. There's just not a bunch. For, there's not a lot for men to go to. See, I think that's a fair point. Not we, that need we, a, don't, we need a man's store. Well, not like we don't like women's store, but I agree. Like, if you want to go buy, like, an outdoorsy man thing. Or, you know... It's REI. It's over there. Yes. It's not in the town square. But I know. I'm whole Earth. Sporting, you know, a, a Dick's you could go no to. No sporting goods place. No so sporting goods. I don't. I, whole Earth was my one of my must-go-tos for Christmas because I could I get little doodads and books and things for everybody. Oh, yeah. I, if, if they had a, uh, you know, a Brookstone, right, 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 something right. like that, just something you go into for, or mm-hmm. some kind of electronic store, yeah, that'd be nice. Okay, what's your favorite off-the-beaten-path spot in South Lake? My favorite off-the-beaten-path. Okay, this is one for you. And we only discovered it from the detour due to the bridge closure on North Whitechapel. Yes. If you take that detour, there is a road that will eventually get you to Whitechapel, right in front of Bob Jones Park. Right. I can't tell you what that road is, but it's the road that feeds right into Weiss, North, North Weiss Chapel. Weiss Chapel. Yeah, that's West Bob Jones. Okay. There's a couple of houses over there. They're they're you know more more rural farmy looking, but I've now passed it three times during the day, and there were no less than twenty deer in the front yard. Wow, that's Inc- awesome. Just incredible. That's so cool. not a retail spot. You know they probably wouldn't like it if I showed up and had a picnic in their front yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can drive down the street and just see literally a herd of deer in their front yard. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of wildlife up near that lake. There's a lot of wildlife. You know, they trap a lot of hogs up there. They or deer, we've seen deer on our walks and uh-huh, runs. Yeah. That's uh I love that rural feel man, north side. Yeah, north side I, for love, life. love it. Love it. You know what we've seen in our backyard now in two years, uh, we've seen in our backyard twice a fox. That's so cool. The coolest animal. That's awesome. We've seen coyotes. You know, I saw an armadillo beaver. about a week ago. Yeah. I've seen beavers. Uh, 
what else? You know, all kinds of of well, deer. We had we've seen deer. We've seen, we, oh, we had deer for, for almost fairly common now. Yeah, we've uh, seen owls. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just a lot of neat things. My dogs were attacked the other day by a skunk. Took really? about oh, yeah. a month and a half to get the smell out of them. You need to talk to my wife. She has this like voodoo mixture, and because because Teddy, when he was alive, he got sprayed a couple times. The major's gotten sprayed, and it's whatever I forget what it is. It's like baking powder and dish soap, whatever it is. It's magical. You got it out. You got it out in a night, and the next wow. morning I couldn't even smell it. It was wow. It was yeah, we, we 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 didn't have that experience. The last the last time major got sprayed, I, I cleaned him. It was just absolutely <laughs> mis like it was the worst, most like noxious, like offensive thing as ever. Oh, it was horrible. So, it's only happened to him once. Both of them got it. Nice. It was that night. Yes. And they immediately ran in the house. Of course. And started wiping themselves over every piece of furniture we had in the living room. So it smelled like skunk in the house for a month. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I, I know what you're going to say here. But if you had to give up either Netflix or sports on TV forever... Which would it be? Oh, good gosh. That's not even a question. I'd give it Netflix in a heartbeat. It's a more controversial question with most people. Is it really? Yeah, believe it or not. Do you, do, you, do you Netflix? Do you watch Netflix? I do, yeah. There was, a, there was a really cool Christmas movie. Kurt Russell was Santa Claus. Christmas Chronicles was a Netflix movie. Yes, if, yes. if you haven't seen that. I have not. I don't know that I would watch good. it with Anna. Okay. A little older. Yeah, a little older, but it's, it's pretty, pretty cute. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. Um, okay. Have you seen the, the bird, what is it called? Bird Eye Box? Bird Box. Bird, have you seen that yet? No, I'm not okay. really a scary movie guy, okay. I'll be honest with you. I, well, we saw The Quiet Place, which I thought was outstanding. Was it? But it was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was outstanding. <laughs> um, no, I haven't seen The Quiet Place either. I don't, like I said, I'm a bit of a girl. Uh, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not a scary I'm, I'm not a horror guy. guy either, but The Quiet Place, you, you got to watch. All right, I'll check it out. Um, okay, last question. Do you listen to podcasts, Tim? And if so, what are your favorites? Uh, never. Never podcasts? Although, the man who married my wife and I, uh, Tommy Nelson, yes, the pastor at uh, a pretty large church in Denton, Denton Bible Church, yes. my wife set up his sermons for me yes. on podcast, and I've got them downloaded into my uh, phone. I'm going to start listening to them this year. So I'm, this shocks me because um, you're a radio guy. You like to listen to stuff, and you have a commute. You have a 15, 20-minute commute. Podcasts, and I'm not, this is not just self-serving. It is such, like, it's, it is an incredible depth, treasure trove of free content. It is so, and everyone's doing podcasts. Everyone's pop, popping up with every, I mean, there's, there's long-form fiction, and there's, like, deep history dives, and there's, there's lighter stuff. There's comedy. It's incredible. Yeah, I spend all of my drive time on the phone. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. probably more productive than podcasting, but I do love it. Uh, okay, Tim, that's that does it for me. All my you've exhausted all my questions. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm so excited we got to talk. I'm sure we'll talk four more times before the day's out. <laughs> before Saturday at noon. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say to our um, our incredibly wide array of listeners? No, Happy New Year, and if you live in South Lake, consider yourself incredibly fortunate to be able to live here. What a community we have, and uh, we just we just love it. Great people, great neighborhoods, great retail, great schools. It's it, I think it's the finest community in the country. And I, I really mean that. And, I, and I've researched it and studied it. So uh, 
hey, we're all lucky to be here. Amen, brother. Well, thank you for being here, my you friend. Bet. Good to be with Tim O'Hare, everyone. <laughs>